Let's open our Bibles this morning, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 for a verse there, then we'll turn to another passage. I want to be careful whenever we rank subjects that the Lord brings to us, but I would say that what you've heard the last couple of weeks is of great importance and very high in pecking order of what the Bible teaches for the ultimate for us in the way of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk with God and to be filled with all of his fullness. You know, in the course of things, the Bible deals with many subjects, and all of them are important and very important for us to have a peaceful church, a unified church, and we're going to deal with some of those things over the next few weeks because of Romans chapter 14. We have had stressed to us from Revelation chapter 3 and Ephesians 3 that we be very submissive and desirous of having the Lord Jesus Christ come in and sup with us. Even on Wednesday evening, this past Wednesday, when I covered the subject of ghosts, the point that I wanted to get to at the end was, you have a ghost, and God is called the Holy Ghost in the Bible, and the relationship between God, the Holy Ghost, and us is of great importance and should be the goal of our lives. But there are other ghosts. And so I want to introduce today and the importance of the subject at hand with a couple of verses. First of all, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. So we can give place to the devil. We can allow the devil into our lives which is so far the opposite of seeking the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and so far the opposite of seeking the Holy Spirit in our lives. So there is that positive instruction that we had the last two Sundays about seeking a personal relationship with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Then there is this warning. Neither give place to the devil. You know, we could say, here's... Here's the situation of a man walking with God and the Lord Jesus Christ in him, supping with him. Then we've got this neutral case of Christians who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. And then we have this horrible situation of giving place to the devil in our lives and the devil will take every inch we give him. Right. Holding your hand there, come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. What a sober warning. We have been given a wonderful exhortation, a wonderful offer, and a wonderful promise, and a wonderful opportunity in Revelation 3 and Ephesians 3 to be filled with all the fullness of God. Those words are almost too hard for us to explain. But here is a warning on the other extreme that we can give place to another spirit in our lives, and we don't want to do that. 2 Corinthians 2, 11. Lest... Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. There is a difference between what I've taught the last two weeks and these two warnings here that is, that is extreme and severe. And I'm going to start off with this warning. The Lord's convicted me to start off this way. This church 
And there are many watching, but this church in the last few years has had a couple of good families that we loved very dearly leave us for no good reason at all. Except for little idols that they had made in their hearts and little stumbling blocks that they had put up of their own little agenda and crusades. And we want to oppose that with all our might. We want to have peace in our church. We want to have relationships that please the Lord. And what I want to ask you now is, how do you give place to the devil based on the context of Ephesians chapter 4? And how do you let Satan have an advantage over you and have the power over you in 2 Corinthians chapter 2? It's based on your interpersonal relationships. Ephesians chapter 4 followed a verse that didn't have a period. 2 Corinthians 2.11 followed a verse that didn't have a period because they're both talking about very similar things. In Ephesians 4, verse 26, said to the effect, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And when you, when you sinned, well, here's how it actually says it in verse 26, Be angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And notice, when, when you let the sun go down upon your wrath and you hold your anger for more than one day, not only are you sinning, but you are also giving place to the devil. 2 Corinthians 2, what is the context here? It's forgiveness. Because look at, this is the fornicator from chapter 1 that was excluded, I mean from, from the first epistle in chapter 5, that incestuous fornicator that was sleeping with his father's wife when the church put him out in 1 Corinthians 5, he was put out for a year, or approximately, and here the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthian church to take him back in, and to take him back in speedily, lest the church be an unforgiving, or appear to be an unforgiving church. Look at verse 7, or let's, let's go back to verse 6. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment. This is the fornicator. He's been punished sufficiently, which was inflicted of many, because it's church judgment, it was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, the opposite of what you did to him in the first epistle, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So there was danger for hurting the individual because the church wasn't forgiving him. He could be swallowed up with his grief because he, he could see no hope for his repentance. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also I did write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. So in Ephesians, it's anger. In 2 Corinthians 2, it's not forgiving someone. And after Paul mentioned the fact that it would hurt the incestuous man who had repented, because he'd be swallowed up by his grief, then it came back on the church. If the church was unforgiving, and if the church did not maintain a loving, forgiving relationship among its among its members and within itself, then it would be giving Satan an opportunity against the church in the plural, because it says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Not him, but us. And so, you know, we have seen people get these little things in their craw, against someone else in the church because the, someone else in the church does something that they don't do and it eats at them and eats at them and eats at them and the Word of God says you're giving place to the devil because of the anger and bitterness. Remember, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, 
What does it say in James chapter 3? That wisdom descendeth not from above, but is from beneath. It is earthly, earthly, sensual, devilish. The religion of Jesus Christ is one of love and forgiveness and charity and humility and allowing others to have their liberties. There is this subject, though it may not be as intriguing and as exciting to you as the last couple of weeks, and I will admit that in certain ways, it also has great value for us. Christian liberty is going to teach us how to humble ourselves and allow others their liberties. It's going to teach us to be charitable. It's going to teach us to be wise. It's going to teach us to be perceptive and discerning because whatever the situation that we're in and the circumstances of it, it may call for different action on our parts. But bitterness and hatred, whether it's anger or forgiveness in these two passages, are very closely related because these subjects get so many people worked up so much. They have set these little things up so high, most of them can't appreciate what I preached the last two weeks. Those that care about matters of liberty don't get excited about a relationship with Jesus Christ because they have replaced their relationship with Jesus Christ with these little man-made ideas on how we ought to live. And Lord God, save us from that. And teach us that living with Thee and walking with Thee and supping with Thee is by far more important. Let us remember that our relationships, if you are angry at anyone right now, crush it. Cut it out. Get rid of it. Because you're giving place to the devil. If you haven't forgiven anyone right now, forgive them! It's not that I haven't preached this, with all the energy that I have, turn to one more passage, Matthew chapter 18, the last two verses there. Let us not be angry. Let us not be bitter. Let us forgive everyone. Let us forgive easily. Let us love mercy. Amen. As it says in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, he that, he, mercy rejoices against judgment. Mercy is a wonderful thing. To overlook somebody else that irritates you and to forgive them. James chapter 2 and 13 puts it this way. Mercy rejoices against judgment, but he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Get excited about mercy. It keeps the devil away. Be excited about forgiving someone and showing them mercy. And we're going to be faced with that every minute that we consider Christian liberty. And it affects every other part of our lives as well. Matthew chapter 18 is the hundred pence and the ten thousand talents. It begins at verse, really, 21 when Peter is asking the Lord how oft should he forgive his brother because Peter wanted a limit on it. And the Lord Jesus gives the parable of a certain king beginning in verse 23. And you know the story about the ten thousand talents was forgiven this servant. Then the servant went out and laid his hands on another man's throat because that other man owed him a hundred pence. And then the king called that servant back in and said, What in the world? I forgave you freely. And then you went and demanded your hundred pence from someone else? And here's the, here's the bottom line. Verse 34, And his Lord was wroth. This represents the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's the certain king of this particular parable. His Lord was wroth and delivered him. This is the man that he had forgiven 10,000 talents. He delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him, until he would pay the 10,000 talents. So 
is an adverb. Likewise is an adverb. And also is an adverb. So, likewise, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. If we don't forgive one another, and Christian liberty is going to bring that to the forefront, if we don't forgive one another from our hearts, thoroughly, completely, we're not holding a grudge or bitterness, look at what it says. Look at what the Word of God says. Look what Jesus taught in the red writing. Our Heavenly Father will do the same thing that this King did in verse 34. He will be very angry and He will deliver us to the tormentors until we pay everything. That is a horrible indictment. So, as we go into this new subject, I have loved the last two Sundays and our relationship with the Lord. Then there are neutral Christians that aren't really angry or unforgiving to anyone. And then we can slip into this other category where we let anger grip us and we don't want to forgive someone and we hold on to bitterness and we hold on to grudges and we give a place to the devil. So we swing from being possessed of the Lord Jesus Christ and supping with Him to being taken hold of by the devil because we give Him an advantage. in our The devil doesn't need an advantage. We don't want to give him any leverage in our lives. And may the Lord help us and sober us and humble us to be charitable and forgiving and to love mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. Be excited to forgive someone. One more time. If you are angry right now, crush that anger and get rid of it. If you are bitter and have a grudge against anyone, crush it and forgive it. If there is anyone that you haven't forgiven, forgive them. They have done nothing against you. No matter what they've done. They have done nothing against you in comparison to what we've done against the Lord. Lord, have mercy upon us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon our foolish and wicked souls. Heavenly Father, we don't want to fall so far from grace that we give place to the devil in our lives nor give him an advantage over us. We see, we see the wiles of the devil, and we understand them. We understand his devices. His devices were in the beginning when our wonderful brother Abel offered a sacrifice acceptable to the Lord, and Cain didn't. And why did Cain hate his brother? Because his own deeds were evil, and he slew our brother Abel. And Heavenly Father, we will do the same if we allow the devil a place in our lives by not forgiving others, by not getting rid of anger. Oh, Lord God, this day, by the Holy Spirit and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, wash us in the blood of Calvary. Cleanse us, Heavenly Father, from the pride and the arrogance and the haughtiness and the self-righteousness and the vindictiveness and the bitterness that so easily comes out of our flesh and our natural members. Lord God, have mercy and teach us humility. Teach us charity Teach us love. Teach us to love mercy. Teach us that mercy rejoices against judgment. Teach us that it is the glory of a man to pass over a transgression. Teach us to defer our anger. Oh, blessed God, teach us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, cleanse us from all iniquity. Everyone under the sound of my voice that has any anger, Heavenly Father, convict them to throw it out this very moment 
and wash them clean from it. For those that have not forgiven someone, teach them forgiveness right now in this moment by the power of the Holy Spirit and bless them as they exercise their true Christianity. Heavenly Father, forgive us in the past where we've been angry and held on to anger, held on to bitterness, held on to grudges, when we have not forgiven those that have sinned against us, whether they've asked for it or not. We thank Thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have forgiven us our 10,000 talents. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that You sent the Lord Jesus Christ to stanch, to stop, and to put away all Your anger against us so that we are reconciled to Thee. Let this church body be reconciled to Thee and to one another. I beseech Thee, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, preserve our nation. We thank You for our rulers and pray Your blessings upon them. Bless Your kingdom throughout the world and Your scattered sheep that have no place to worship. Heavenly Father, comfort them, strengthen them, teach them, and help them. And Heavenly Father, be with us in these assemblies that all that we say and do will be pleasing in Thy sight. Cleanse our hands, purify our hearts, unite our hearts to fear Thy name. Raise us up now by the power of Your Spirit to delight in everything we do in these assemblies as we worship Thee. Receive our worship, sanctify it by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's in Jesus' name we commit ourselves for this assembly, for our lives in this world, and for our deaths that will soon that are soon approaching, because we are the Lord's, and we live unto the Lord, and we die unto the Lord, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. You have made us, Jesus Christ has bought us, we are not our own, we are thine. Receive us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.